Good morning to you. Good morning. This is a high Sabbath for us, isn't it? All communion Sabbaths are a very high Sabbath for us. Because we are focusing on the atonement. What Christ did for us. But we're going to talk about four atonements that are described in the Bible. Uh, In Christianity, mostly we focus on one. The atonement that was made at the cross. But what we're going to find in the Bible is that the word atonement is associated with not just the courtyard, where Christ is symbolically where he died, right? But we'll find the word atonement associated with the holy place, where Christ ministers as our high priest. We'll find the word atonement associated with the most holy place. And we'll find the word atonement in the service of the scapegoat. Because an atonement is at one with God. It's about how sin has estranged us from God, has separated us from God, but the sanctuary, through these four atonements, teaches how we can be right back with God. Not just a little bit, not just tolerance with God, but perfect harmony with God. Just the way it was before sin entered our world. And that's what these four atonements, everything in the sanctuary, points to. How do we get back into perfect harmony with God? Okay? So let's go ahead and... um, How are we doing here? So while we're getting that, let's go ahead with a word of prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for the four atonements. But we know that the first one, what Jesus does for us, is the foundation of all the atonements. That if Christ, your son, did not die for us, none of the other atonements would even come into play. And today, Father, we are here to celebrate, to worship you for that main foundational atonement that made salvation, to make our reconciliation to you possible. So we ask your blessing as we go through this, through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. There, so what we have here is an overall diagram of of the sanctuary. And so we're going to find verses that apply to the courtyard. Now the courtyard represents the earth. The holy place, the most holy place, the tabernacle, where's the real one? It's in heaven. So Christ didn't minister as our high priest on earth. He's ministering as our high priest in heaven. But be, to be a lamb, he didn't die in heaven. He died, he died here. He died for us. And so this courtyard where we find the foundational atonement, the first atonement, was something that happened here when Jesus was our lamb who died for us. And we need to accept what he did for us before we can receive the benefits of the other atonements in the holy place and most holy place. This is where it all begins. Okay? We'll find verses about an atonement being made in the holy place, verses that will talk about the most holy place, where it will talk about on the day of atonement, where blood, there was an atonement, blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And to actually finish the, the atonement, to have it final, complete, the sins had to be placed on the scapegoat. 
Okay? This is all part of God's plan of reconciling us back to him. This is all part of God's plan to make us one with God again, to be in perfect harmony. Okay? So let's look at some of these verses that tell us what other words are associated with the word atonement. For example, 2 Chronicles 29, 24, and they made reconciliation with their blood, that's the goat's blood, upon the altar to make atonement for Israel. So associated with this word atonement is the word, because that's what the whole atonement's for. We have an atonement to be reconciled back with God because sin had separated us from God. And it's not just our sinful acts, it's because we have a sinful nature. Because of our sinful nature, we could never stand in the presence of God. So in this, these atonements, God's got to deal with the acts of sins that we committed, which the wages is death. But he also has to deal with the second problem, that we're sinful. We have a sinful nature. And so the other atonements deal with what he has to do, not just for us, but the last three atonements is what he does in us. He can't just die for us. He has to do something in us for us to be right with God again, to be fully reconciled with God. Okay? So we have another word, Exodus 29, 36. Thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made a what? An atonement. So another word associated with atonement is the word cleanse. So to be right with God again, we need to be reconciled back to him. We also need to be cleansed. That's something that happens inside. We have another verse here. Use another word. Leviticus 18, 15. Moses took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar, round about with his fingers, and purified the altar, and poured the blood at the bottom of the altar, and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. So part of being reconciled, part of this atonement process, is that you and I are cleansed and we are being being purified. That's something that happens inside of me. This is all, how do, we, how do we get back to the relationship Adam and Eve had with their maker before sin? That's what these four atonements are about. Okay? Now, as we looked at that overhead of the, the sanctuary, here's, here it is in a um, points. So in the courtyard, this is, represents the earth, this is where Jesus died, blood was placed upon the altar of burnt offering. The altar of burnt offering was in, was in the courtyard. And there are sin offerings that were made where the blood never got into the holy place, or holy place, but it was only in the courtyard to make an atonement for this courtyard, okay? Then we're going to again look at verses in the holy place where blood was sprinkled upon the veil in the holy place to make an, an atonement. Now, Jesus only had to die once for all. It was a perfect, complete sacrifice in the courtyard. And yet another atonement needed to be made where Jesus takes the merits of his sacrifice and where does he, where does he take it? He takes it to heaven. And where did Jesus first go in heaven? Into the holy place and to make an atonement based upon the sacrifice he made here, not just to do something for us, but to apply the benefits of his sacrifice to do something in us. And we're going to look at the things in that holy place that tells us how do we cooperate with Jesus to have something done in us. 
And that's what's represented by the menorah, the seven-branch candlestick. That's what's represented by the bread of the showbread and also the altar of incense. If you and I cooperate with God and applying the merits of his sacrifice as demonstrated by those three pieces of furniture, we're getting closer to the presence of God in the most holy place. You see how that works? We're allowing God to do something in us, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The third atonement was actually in the most holy place where blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. It was actually sprinkled also upon the altar of incense as well, but here it is that the judgment takes place and decisions are being made in favor of the saints. So, so atonement, being reconciled back with God, to be back in harmony with God, begins with Jesus doing something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He takes upon our sins. But he has to do something more than that to prepare us for heaven. Right? I have to be more than forgiven to be able to be in the presence of a holy God and holy angels. He's got to prepare me for that. He has to do something in me, change me. And that's what these other atonements are about. Uh, as we'll see both in the holy place, most holy place, and then the scapegoat, we'll find a verse there also where an atonement's being made with the scapegoat. And of course, this is where the sins of Israel, after they've all been atoned for in a redemptive way, are then in this last act, the sins are placed upon the scapegoat representing who? Satan himself. Because who's responsible for every sin that ever took place? Satan himself. And he doesn't take them in any redemptive way. That was already taken care of in the previous service. But once they're placed on him, he's then led out into the wilderness. And how long is his existence? He's going he's gonna, to he'll be, he's gonna lose life, isn't he? And God takes care of everything that separated us from him. This is an important part of us being reconciled back with God. So let's go ahead and begin looking at these four atonements. We won't be able to focus on all four today because of our time, but we'll get back to this in our next sermon. But again, here's the sanctuary. We're going to find that atonement was made here. This is what Christ does for us when he comes to planet Earth and dies for us. Jesus ascends into heaven, still making atonement, applying the benefits of his blood to do something in us, okay? So let's look at the Bible where it uses the word atonement to all these things in the sanctuary. The courtyard, notice this one. If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make a what? An atonement for him, and the blood, or sprinkle the blood round about the altar, and this is the altar of burnt offerings. In this sacrifice, none of the blood went into the holy place. All the blood remained in the courtyard, making an atonement. So an atonement was made in the courtyard, representative of what Christ did for us. And I'm going to keep emphasizing that. Because we were not part of, there's no cooperation other than us accepting what Jesus has done for us. In the courtyard, okay? Now notice the word atonement again, now applied to the holy place. And the priest shall dip his finger uh, in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the veil, or before the Lord, even before the veil, and the priest shall make a what? Atonement. So an atonement was made, not just in the courtyard, an atonement's being made in the holy place with blood being sprinkled upon the veil that's before the Lord, whose presence is in the most holy place. 
So this is the veil be- between the holy place and the most holy place, and the blood was sprinkled there, making an atonement. So this is the second atonement, okay? Most holy place. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering and make an atonement. He shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat. Where's the mercy seat? In the most holy place. So an atonement's being made in the most holy place as well. You see that? Through blood. And all these atonements is to bring us back into harmony with God. Now you'll also notice at the very end of this service, there's an atonement being made. Notice what it says in Leviticus 16, which Leviticus 16 is all completely about the Day of Atonement. It says, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to do what? To make an atonement with him. And when he shall have made an end of reconciling, I'll get to that in a minute, Aaron shall lay his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness where Satan will be no more. Sin and its originator are gone. Okay? This is how God is dealing with sin to the point where it does not exist anywhere in the universe. Okay? But I wanted to highlight those words, the end of reconciling. In other words, there aren't five atonements. There's four. Once the sins are confessed upon the scapegoat, and he goes out and Satan's no more, who's the originator of sin, that is the end of the sin problem, amen? Amen. It is completely eradicated from the universe. But not until that happens. It's still being dealt with. Okay? And so praise God, there's not five atonements, there's four atonements. So let's take a little look at these, okay, more specifically. So here we go back to Leviticus. This is the beginning of reconciliation. If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. It shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him, to be able to be reconciled with God. And the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood around and upon the altar, the burnt offerings, that it be by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. This is where getting right with God begins. If you've never accepted Jesus' blood, if you've never accepted his death to take your place, there's no way to be reconciled to God until that happens. The very beginning of being reconciled back with God is accepting what Jesus did for you. In other words, you don't have to do something to commend yourself to God to be reconciled. The first, because you can't do any works that will commend you to God. The first thing you do is something that God did for you in giving his son. That's where the whole reconciliation. But there's a lot of religions that kind of teach there's something you got to do. Even Martin Luther got caught up in that. And he was kissing every step up a stairwell, thinking this was something he had to do. But you see where this is all false. To be right back with God isn't you doing works to earn God's favor. Getting right with God is accepting something you couldn't have never done for yourself. And that's accepting his perfect life and perfect sacrifice in place of your sinful life. 
And that's the motivation to want to serve him and experience the other atonements. To allow God to now do something in you. It is a miserable life to feel like he had to do works to earn God's love. That's a miserable religious experience, friends. But the beauty of the gospel is God loved you so much, he gave his only son to die in your place to do something for you. Is that right? This is how the New Testament would would, uh, talk about these verses, this first atonement. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the what? We have the forgiveness of sins, and this is where reconciliation begins. Our sins have separated us between us and God. And until that sin problem's done with, until we're forgiven, there's no way to be reconciled. So when we accept the redemption there is through Christ's blood, we're forgiven. First atonement. Another verse, Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, notice that next word. Much more, being forgiven, being reconciled, having accepted the first atonement, we shall be what? Saved by his life. So that tells me that there's another atonement, there's something after reconciliation beginning. How much more is there? Oh, I'm telling you, friends. There is much more than accepting Jesus' sacrifice for you because he's now going to save you by his life. Because we don't serve a dead Savior. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. Amen. Who's now in heaven doing other atonements for you. Isn't that something? Amen. And that tells me, you mean there's something more to my Christian experience than just Him paying for my sins, which is complete and beautiful? And that's where it all begins. It's the beautiful beginning of your Christian experience. But there is much more Amen. to being a Christian. Much more. Okay? And this is a picture, kind of an overview. This is, of course, where the first atonement takes place. Christ's ministry. This is where the penitent sinner confesses his sin on the, on the lamb. The blood's applied around the altar of burnt offerings. But as we saw, there's other atonements that take us into the tabernacle itself. Okay? Now, this first atonement, I'm sorry, what did this first atonement do? It paid a debt. And what is the debt for sin? It's death. This is why Jesus couldn't come here in our flesh to show us how God lives in flesh and then just go away. It wasn't even necessary for Jesus to put on flesh to talk to humanity because Jesus talked to Abraham, Moses, and all kinds of people. But Jesus had to come in our flesh in the likeness of our sinful flesh to become one of us and sacrifice, give that life up on a cross because the wages of sin is death. Is the debt paid? Absolutely, that debt is paid. At the cross, man's debt was fully paid? Absolutely, fully paid. No more sacrifices are necessary. There are other atonements But the first atonement's complete. No more death is necessary. Okay? His sins are fully atoned for. Christ died for how many? He actually died for everybody. Okay? The claims of the law have been met. Is that true? 
Okay? And because the claims of the law have been met, God doesn't have to do away with his law. His law stands forever, which is the foundation of his government. So Christ, when he dies for us, he pays the debt. We're reconciled. We're forgiven. But there's much more. But also, by paying our debt, he satisfies the claims of the law. And so the law stands eternal as a foundation of God's government for eternity. And all the universe now remains in perfect harmony by the death of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Wow, what an atonement. Now, this is why there's other atonements. You can't have just this one atonement. Because if Jesus, as his perfect sacrifice, only dies, do you make it to heaven? Notice what Paul says here. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your... But you say, but Jesus was a perfect sacrifice, and he died for me. That's true. It was perfect, complete sacrifice. But if Jesus was not risen from the grave, you're still in your sins, and you'll die for your sins. It was necessary for Jesus to be risen, to go where? To heaven as a high priest to do what? To apply the benefits of his sacrifice. And here's the thing. Can you be a priest without a sacrifice? No. For Christ to be a priest in the heavenly sanctuary, he had to have what? He had to have a sacrifice. Could he take bulls and goats with him up there? No. Bulls and goats don't cover our sins. It had to be the shedding of his own blood. He had to apply his own sacrifice. Now, what's good's a sacrifice without a priest? Who's the one that caught it in a bowl? The priest. Who's the one that took it into the sanctuary? The priest. The lamb doesn't take his own blood into the sanctuary. A priest has to do this. So Jesus has to be both to reconcile us back to himself. So there's not just the death of Jesus. There's the ministry of Jesus that is equally important to us to be reconciled with God, to be brought back into harmony with God, which is why God raised us up to preach what message? The sanctuary message. We are the people of the sanctuary that is able to explain the entire everlasting gospel to prepare a people for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Here's the second atonement. Here's the verse again, Leviticus. If the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, then the congregation shall offer us young bullock for this sin. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil, the veil between the holy place and the most holy place. And he shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar, referring to the altar of incense, which is before the Lord. Right? That would be in the holy place if it's before the Lord. That is in the tabernacle of the congregation. It's not outside the tabernacle. We're talking about an altar inside the tabernacle. Does everybody see that? That's the holy place. That is in the tabernacle of the congregation. The priest shall make an atonement for them. So there's an atonement being made 
in the holy place after Jesus has already made an atonement on planet Earth. Because the second atonement is just as important as the first atonement. Okay? Here's how the... Here's a, a, a rendition of... Of course, you can see the courtyard over here with the laver and the... But there's these three pieces of furniture in there that we're going to talk about here quickly. Uh, where Jesus, you see the high priest in there, the candelabra, the showbread, the altar of incense. And this is, ha- this is teaching us how we cooperate with Jesus to do something inside of us. And then, of course, the most holy place with the Ark of the Covenant. This is how the book of the New Testament, book of Hebrews, applies what Jesus is doing in the heavenly tabernacle. By Christ being come, but Christ being a being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this earthly building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into where? The holy place, the heavenly holy place, that first apartment, having obtained what? This is where he obtains eternal salvation, is when he dies and takes the merits of his sacrifice to heaven with them. That's accepted by the Father. Okay? Notice what else it says. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. A way of understanding that, we are sanctified because the foundation of our sanctification is Christ crucified. If Christ be not crucified, if he have not the first atonement, you can't be sanctified. The foundation of being sanctified is the fact that Jesus already did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. And the second atonement is you now cooperating with him to do something in you. This is how you prepare for heaven. Okay? So let's look at this overview. There's the courtyard where Christ did something for us. And now we're cooperating with him to do something in us. Now that we've been forgiven, accepted his sacrifice, that first atonement, we now by faith walk into here. And here, in short, I would, I would be allowing Jesus to do something in me when I'm willing to be light. Candelabra. But I can't shine without what? Oil. Oil. And when I accept Jesus as my sacrifice, I immediately receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to now begin to allow Him to do something in me. So when I give my sins to Christ and I accept that first atonement, He not only forgives me, He gives me something. He gives me something for those sins. He gives me the Holy Ghost to now begin to do things in me. To prepare me for heaven. And the way I cooperate with him is when I wake up in the morning, i got to be willing to shine for Jesus. Now we shine for Jesus not simply by standing on a street corner and preaching, but you can shine for Jesus by being kind and polite and courteous wherever you work. You are Christ-like wherever you go, and you're shining for Jesus. I allow Jesus to do something in me when I'm willing to eat the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Every day you're partaking of this altogether sinless life. 
And you know if you're on a healthy diet, are you going to get healthier? So if you start eating Jesus' life, you could be more spiritual? This is how we begin to cooperate to allow Him to do something in us. So every day, we need to be willing to be in His service, to shine, and find a time every day to eat the Word, Jesus Christ. But there's a third thing here. The altar of incense. And that is that communion time. Because I could study my Bible... And I can hand out tracts and not commune with Jesus Christ. Is that possible? He wants all three. He says, the way this works, for me not to do, so, do something for you, but if you're going to allow me to do something in you, let me use you as a vessel. Let me use you as a worker. Eat my life and spend time with me. Love to spend time with me. And if you do these three things, you'll become more like Jesus and you'll be cooperating with him to do the, the perfect work he wants to do in you. But as soon as you take away one of those three things, you diminish the power of a Christ-like life. You see what I'm saying? You remember the Bible says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. You take away one of those cords... Boy, it's just not as strong. And we want to be strong in the Lord. We want to cooperate with Him. Now, we're not going to be able to get into the most holy place and the scapegoat because of our time today. But I wanted to focus on, just in closing, the first atonement, what Christ does for us, and the second atonement, when He begins to do things in us. I want us to think about Adam and Eve. The very moment that Adam and Eve sinned, is this true that Christ stepped in? Because if Christ didn't step in, how long would Adam and Eve live? Well, I, I don't know how long, but they certainly wouldn't have had time to have children. Is that right? Notice this statement from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, Volume 1. The instant man accepted the temptations of Satan and did the very things God had said he should not do, Christ, the Son of God, stood between the living and the dead, saying... Let the punishment fall on me. I will stand in man's place. He shall have another chance. If Jesus doesn't do this, Adam and Eve have no time, no chance to do anything different than sin. Christ steps in to give us a chance. How many people did Jesus do that for? Most of the world will not accept Jesus. But Jesus has all given them time too. What a wonderful Savior. He knows who will accept him and who won't. But he gives everybody time to experience life. Even if they don't ever choose eternal life, he's given everybody a chance to breathe and to hear music and to see nature. Because he's the God of the living. He is the creator of life. Even if people don't choose eternal life, he's still the God of life. He's still the God who's holy and the God who's good, who does no sin, not even by thought. And he'll always, even if people don't live for eternity, he'll try to bless their lives as much as he can. Is this right? 
When Jesus stepped in to take the place of guilty, the, the guilty pair, something was done for them. This isn't something Adam and Eve did. What were Adam and Eve doing when Jesus stepped in? Hiding from him. You can't say they did something for their own salvation. They had nothing to do with this first atonement. They were hiding from God, afraid of God. And Jesus steps in. Probation, notice this, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 66. The Son of God had offered to atone with his own life for their transgression. A period of probation would be granted them. And through repentance and faith in Christ, they might again become the children of God. Did Adam and Eve take this probationary time and did they come back to God? Yes, they did. Praise God. That's why Jesus stepped in. He was willing to pay the whole price, no matter the cost to himself, so that Adam and Eve had a chance again at eternal life. What a wonderful God. Now, when we look at our next example, Cain and Abel, Abel accepted Jesus' promised substitutionary death for him. This is what opened the door for God to do a work of transformation in him. But Cain did not accept the sacrificial death of the promised Redeemer by faith. By rejecting the first atonement, he was not converted. He was yet in his sin, and as such, he what? He killed his brother. He killed his brother. And yet, Jesus died... And Cain was able to live a long life. Is this right? The Passover, the Israelites were instructed to select a lamb on the 10th day of the month to hold it until the 14th day when they would take its life, sprinkle the blood on the doorpost, and by sprinkling the, the blood on the doorpost, they were saved from the destroying angel. But guess what? That's something God did for them, Right? They didn't protect themselves. The blood protected them. But they were still slaves. These people weren't ready to take the promised land. They had only accepted the first atonement. Before they got to the promised land, they had to be somebody more than forgiven. They had to be what? They had to be changed. To be the people, to occupy the promised land, to be that visible nation, to be a witness to the goodness of God. They couldn't just be people who avoided the destroying angel. Something had to happen in here. God would have to teach them lessons before they got there. So the blood on the doorpost did something for them, but they still needed something to be done in them. The prodigal son leaves his father's house, and his tattered clothes is evidence of his sinful life. The father's waiting for him with outstretched neck. Have you ever done that? Looking for them and you're like on your tiptoes to see as far as you can see. Is my son coming back? And as soon as he sees his son, he goes out to him. He doesn't say you got to get in here first by yourself. He goes out and meets his son, takes his robe off, puts it around his son. To hide those tattered clothes from the scornful eye of those that are at the house. But the problem is, he still had tattered clothes underneath. But when God brings him, the father brings him into the house, what's he do? 
He takes off the tattered clothes and puts on the clean clothes. Is there a lesson there? The father did something for his son. He covered him with his robe. But it didn't stop there. He changed the clothes of his son from tattered, wayward clothes to to clothes that represented he was again a son of God, a son of the Father. Does that make sense? These are the offerings that we find uh, associated with the sacrificial system, all making atonements, the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sins of ignorance, sins of trespass, where we sinned. We knew it was wrong before we did. We did it anyway. And then, of course, the offering of the red heifer, which we'll eventually go through, but not today. The reason I have this as a last slide, all these, all these offerings cover different sins. They cover all the sins that humanity commits. In other words, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, you can be reconciled with God. But you've got to start by accepting what Jesus did for you. Within our fallen nature, there seems to be this problem to admit that we're wrong. Somehow we want to earn something. But to admit that we are helpless is really hard for our fallen human nature. But when we realize that we're helpless and in need of a Savior, that's where it all starts, friends, is to accept Christ's perfect sacrifice in your place. So in the Adventist church, what we're just about ready to participate in, we call the Lord's Supper. We have open communion here. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, even if you belong to another denomination, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are welcomed to participate with communion with us. But what we do in following Christ's example, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, that we call it the ordinance of humility. Now, the world might think that power and possessions and prestige is power. But you know it's real power? A humble spirit. Because if you have a humble spirit, it doesn't matter what people say about you or do to you, you have the humility of Christ. And then you'll have a love for people. And you'll get through all those storms with success. But don't try to protect yourself. So here's the thing. We will break up. The women will be downstairs on one half, right? The men on the other side. We will practice the ordinance of foot washing. And you'll need to have a partner. And then we'll come back up here and we'll have our communion service. And this is where we will partake of what is symbolic of that first atonement. We're taking the symbols of bread and the wine to represent Jesus laying down his life for us. That's where it all begins. And every day we can begin anew at allowing Jesus' death and resurrection be the motivation for all that we do in life. So let's close with a word of prayer. We'll go down and, and uh, do our foot washing, and we'll come back up here. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these atonements. Everything the plan of salvation teaches us about being brought back, not to just be a toleration, but perfect harmony. We know that the problem in this separation is not with you, it's not with your kingdom, it's not with your law. The problem is with us. 
we're the ones that need to change. And we're thankful, Father, in this plan of salvation, you've provided a way for us to be forgiven and changed. So, Father, help us to prepare our hearts for this solemn service that points to Jesus as the foundation of being reconciled. In this we pray in Jesus' name.